From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 307. It is still the summer of fun. Summer of fun! And today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN, Mint Mobile, and Pingdom. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. Hi, Mike Hurley. It is the summer of fun. And we got something fun today because uh, it's the summer of fun. Of course we do. We're planning. We, we're, we're planning our attack for... Summer of fun. Yep. Not going to reveal anything yet, but we got ideas. We got plans. The summer of fun uh, planning document is stretching out across the summer. At the moment, it, it runs until mid-August. I think we're going to need a lot longer than that. We need more ideas. We yeah. do. We do. I have a hashtag snow talk question from Arjan who wants to know, Jason, where do you start reading a book? Do you look at the cover and all of the preamble, or do you go straight to the first word of the first chapter, and is this different for analog versus ebooks? I don't... Okay. Um, I start at the beginning and read to the end, and uh, in terms of like the front matter, I... I always want to have whatever, uh, you know, I want to know what the setup is from the writer. So like if there's a quote or something like that, I mean, if it's like a list of acknowledgements, I'm not going to read that. Things that are part of the work, I will absolutely do it. And do I look at the cover? Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I've seen the physical object or if it's a Kindle book, I've at least ordered it. Um, what I don't like about reading on the Kindle is sometimes it takes you, it always takes you to the first page of the, of the text, but you often will miss like the name of the section or a quote that starts it or things like that. So I always sort of back up from the beginning just to see if there's anything else there. Uh, but mostly it's pretty straightforward. I will also say that I have a, I have a, a no maps policy. Um, there are a lot of, especially like fantasy novels that have maps or, or genealogies in the back. Sometimes that happens too, or even in the front, uh, no maps, no genealogies. I'm not interested in your maps and genealogies. If you can, if, if you can't tell the story without a map, you have failed as a writer. I don't, I don't want your map. I, uh, I know you're gonna hate, you're gonna hate this so much. I read the last line. You do? A, yeah, I do. You're yeah. like Harry, and when Harry met Sally, you gotta yeah. read the last line in case something happens. No, it's because <laughs> I I'm like I get impatient or whatever, and I and it's kind of like a, the temptation is too strong. To do is this it? like differential privacy, where you, if you read the first line and the last line, you can use AI to synthesize what happened in the entire novel and you don't have to read it? Or it books. saves me the time of reading the books, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. frankly, the last line so rarely gives away anything, right? Like, it just, you know, it doesn't really give anything away. There was a Harry Potter book, one of them, where it kind of was like, oh, whoops. But, you know, I just, I, I feel better that way by doing it. Uh, but... The real trick is I don't read books, so I don't have to read the last lines. So there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, that solves that solves everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of map, map fans in our chat room who are very angry with me. It was like, I, look, I, I enjoy a fake map. I read the Strange Maps b- blog for a long time. A fake map, a fantasy map, it's fun. Like, I know where Mordor is, okay? I get it. For as but much as people thing. are angry at you, it's like four times anger at me right now for the... Oh, well. That's because you're a monster. Right, but uh, right, I just right, want to be right. clear to all my map fans out there Hashtag that map, map fantasy maps are fun, mm-hmm. but they can't be essential. And when I haven't started the book yet, 
I'm not going to look at the map. I'm not going to, I'm going to be like, oh, right. Oh, wow. There's a map here. I better get some geography lessons of this fantasy world before I start. So I know where I am. It's like, I don't want to do that. If I want to refer back later to the fantasy map. Okay. I, I don't, but I could. Why would anybody um, read the map before the read the book? I, I was thought know. the maps were there for, for reference. Yeah, and even then, I, I'm not a huge fan of it because, like, if you have to consult a map, it, it I think you failed as a writer. Um, the genealogies are the one that really get me, though, where it's... I, I was on a, a book episode of The Incomparable recently where people were talking about how they had read the genealogy in order to understand how all the characters were related to one another. And it was a book I enjoyed, but I said, no, are you kidding? No, I, I'm not going to consult, like reference material for the novel I'm reading. The storyteller really needs to do their job in the novel and not say, oh, well, uh, you don't know who this person is. Go look at the uh, at the at the back of the book. Also, I read it on a Kindle. And so looking at the back of the book is hard. If you would like to send in a possibly less controversial snow talk question. <laughs> Just to be clear, more less controversial than where do you start reading a book where the clear answer is at the beginning and then I go to the end and we both managed to uh, mess that up. So, so thank you. <laughs> Thank you to our Snell Talk question. Thank you, Arjun. Hashtag Snell Talk. You just send out a tweet and it will be included in a list or you can use the command with the question mark Snell Talk in the Relay FM members Discord. I have um, a very short article that I wanted to refer to, or at least it's a short point from an article uh, written at Bloomberg, uh, basically just stating Apple's current policy for working from home. So as COVID-19 cases continue to spike throughout the world, Apple has been reclosing retail stores. We've seen that. Like they opened a bunch in America, closed them right down again. Um, and now uh, Apple are urging their retail employees to work from home wherever possible. And you'd say to yourself, how can a retail employee work from home? Apple's created a kind of thing called a retail at home program where they're basically moving their in-store retail stuff to online stuff, whether it be customer support or other services which are related to online. Because as you can imagine, Apple's uh, need for online retail was increased, right? Like everybody else, because if you can't go to the store, you got to get the stuff done somewhere. People are doing it online. So they're trying to remove people around for that. And also... Uh, they're not going to be uh, doing a full return for U.S. offices in 2020. So they yep. do not expect any point in 2020 to bring all of their staff back to the office. I think this makes sense for many reasons uh, for lots of companies, but I think especially for Apple as a company that wants to ensure that some people are able to be at the office. You know, like I think with a lot of companies, right. it's like we, you know, we want some people to be back, so we'll bring those in. But for Apple, we spoke about it before with like, the secrecy and the product design labs and stuff, yeah. that stuff has to be done at Apple Park. So they want to keep everybody away to protect that small group to be able to be there. And they specifically said uh, in the in la three months ago, because we're coming up to a new analyst call and quarterly results, so get ready for that, um, that they some of, some groups were more efficient remotely and some were less efficient remotely. And uh, if you're trying to bring people back who are important uh, for your business and are uh, they you know are less efficient remotely um, what you want to do is bring them back and one give them room to spread out and and separate them perhaps much more than they would have been otherwise and yep. and two put them in an environment where they're not running into a lot of other people it's not just the space it's also like if there are 80 people in Apple Park or, or 150 people in Apple Park versus like 
a thousand people in Apple Park, the uh, the chances of exposure and things like that go way down as well. So that actually kind of makes sense. I would imagine the people that have to be at Apple Park are going to come back to Apple Park and be spaced out, presumably. And that'll be what it's like for a while. Yeah, I, I think that there's also a benefit to large companies being very upfront with their employees if they've made these decisions because it allows people to go to other places. You know, like if if your like uh, lease is being renewed and you only live in this city because you work in the building which is close to it, maybe you could go back home for six months or something, right? Instead, and deal with it later on. You know what I mean, right? Like where if you look at some of these, like some of the larger cities where a lot of tech companies are, rents are really high. And if you're only there because you work at the company, then maybe giving you the ability to to go somewhere else for a bit could be useful. So I think it's good for yeah. companies to be pretty upfront about this stuff, considering where we are. And who knows, maybe it will actually change Apple's corporate culture in some ways where some groups that were mandatory in person um, never go back to being mandatory in person. I think so. The genie's out of the bottle, right? I hope so, because you know, as somebody who knows people who work at Apple um, and has talked to people who are hiring managers at Apple in the past, some of their groups, their insistence on them being in person don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I, some of them do, and some of them don't. And I'm a big fan of, of uh, distributed workplaces, and I think you get better people who are happier and more efficient, and they can you know, ha- handle forcing them to move to an incredibly high cost of living place is not necessarily for a job that doesn't need to be done there is uh is not great so i hope that they change their tune a little bit upstream time uh i have a couple of uh acquisitions that apple have made for apple tv plus or deals at least that they've signed uh they have signed a first look deal with idris elba so there's not really much more to say than than that so you know interested the wire um luther he was in uh, the thor movies as well um, and also Apple have acquired another movie called Palmer starring Justin Timberlake, Juno Temple, Academy Award nominee June Squibb and Alicia Wainwright. Uh, this one was actually announced by Apple themselves. They had the, the, the website that I love, which is apple-tv-plus-press.apple.com, which looks like a fake website, but is a real website that Apple yep. run and maintain. They announced this one. Uh, rather than where most of our headlines come from, uh, sites like Deadline or The Hollywood Reporter or Variety, but this one came yep. from Apple. Uh, the movie stuff is particularly interesting because it seems to actually be doing pretty well for them. So yeah. we've mentioned Greyhound a bit recently. Uh, a report from Deadline is stating from uh, their sources that uh, Greyhound is reportedly Apple's largest opening weekend success, larger than any of the series or anything else that they've done before, with apparently over 30% of the viewers of Greyhound being new to Apple TV+. Yeah, that, how about that? That's really interesting that mm-hmm. um, that it had that appeal. And although, I mean, this is this was a Father's Day movie, so this was not like a summer blockbuster per se, but it's got a big name and it's got kind of uh, potential for broad appeal and all of that. And I think it's interesting that it did well and uh, they have other things in the works that are more likely to be blockbusters down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is encouraging. And we've seen from Netflix and... You know, and I, I just watched Palm Springs on Hulu. Like films on streaming services is a driver of engagement just as much as TV shows are. So um, I think that's interesting. Uh, switching gear to another company, but on a similar vein, 
I wanted to just mention this Netflix news uh, that they are developing a spy series based on the Gray Man book series. The reason I thought this is interesting is because of how big they're going with it. So they're making a movie. It's they're putting over two hundred million dollars into it. They have signed the Russo brothers to direct it. This is the Russo mm-hmm. brothers' first movie since Avengers. They have Ryan Gosling in the lead role with the hopes of turning this into a franchise where Gosling will star as the the Grey Man in multiple movies with Chris Evans as the quote-unquote villain for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, all of the reporting is saying that Netflix are trying to build a James Bond-like franchise. Right. I think of it maybe more of like Bourne, but Born, anyway. Yeah. Sure. No, I think it, it's an interesting idea. And so we I just mentioned TV and film, right? So I look at this and I think, great. I mean, Netflix is going to spend a huge amount of money. They're going to have big stars. They're going to promote the heck out of it. It's going to be a you know major motion picture, action, adventure, tentpole kind of thing running on Netflix. Great. Um, I do have one question, which is when I think about films versus TV, and we're talking about Netflix, which is both. I look at this and I think, okay, like, I get it. You're spending $200 million and you're going to make a big blockbuster movie and you're going to put it on your surface. If this is a franchise going forward, what's the right way to play it? And I don't have an answer here, but I'm just saying, what's the right way to play it? Because you could do another one of these every two or three years and it would be like a Bourne or a James Bond. Um, could you do something different? You're on streaming. So I also start to think, could you do something more like, um, think about how BBC did Sherlock mm. with Cumberbatch, where it was like, that all of those all of those were like 90 minute long episodes. They're basically movies. They're basically movies, uh, but shorter than two, two and a half hours, like so many theatrical movies. And they would do a handful of them. And I look at this and I think, okay, well, if you want this to be a franchise Netflix, is your next step wait three years and uh, get another movie for $200 million? Or is your next step, you know, work up a, two or three scripts and have two or three shorter runtime movies that roll out over time? Because it allows you to, and I don't know the answer. Maybe the answer is no. Making people wait two years and then having a big blowout is the right way to do it. And I'm not saying they should turn Ryan Gosling's uh, spy franchise for Netflix into a TV show. But I'm saying with streaming, there's like a middle ground, right? Like Mm -hmm. they could do, they could break the rules of like, well, no, no, this is a feature. And oh, well, this is a TV show. You could, if you're Netflix, try to get a little creative and play with the space that's in between those things. Cause I, I see no reason why they couldn't spend, uh, you know, $200 million or $250 million on making, you know, two. And the Russo brothers know about making two part movies, right? <laughs> because they just did it with Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if they were standalone stories, like maybe, maybe that would give you a better return or maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it's all about a huge marketing blitz for a, a giant thing and everybody comes to watch that and then they go away for two years. I just wanted to ask the question because I think it's interesting that there are, there are things in between what we think of as film and TV. And yeah. if you're ever going to explore that a streaming service like Netflix is where you could do it. I, th- I say I agree with your concept. 
but I think for this specific project, I for some reason like the idea of it being a movie, like being just big. called a movie and being a big like quote unquote summer blockbuster, like Netflix's attempt yeah. at a summer blockbuster. And also, I would assume for similar reasons, like they maybe want it. They're going to put all this money into it. Maybe they want to pick up some movie awards, right? Which Netflix doesn't sure. have so many of those. Yeah, like, but they could. But if they again, if they structured it, if they had two good story ideas, they mm-hmm. could make two. 90 minute movies with two good story ideas and release them a year apart and it would be more movies i think they may do that after the first one so like if the first that, one yes, works for sure you know of course then, i'm not yeah. i'm i'm not talking about the first one i'm saying sort of like if you if this is a franchise and you're going to continue it how do you replicate it because the james Mo- bond model the born model is every few years you make a big hollywood blockbuster but you're netflix you don't have to do it that way if you don't want to you could release somewhat smaller movies that were still super big especially if you need to schedule ryan gosling right mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. schedule him to shoot two of them back to back and roll them out over successive years and you've got a a new gray man movie and you'd call it a movie but it would be every year instead of every two or three years and is that a different model i don't know it's i'm, I'm just fascinated by the options that these uh, companies have and not everything is a tv show not everything is a blockbuster movie but sometimes those things are the right format i just i, I looked at this and i thought how do you build a franchise going for a film franchise on netflix and what are your options? Because I think they've got a lot of different options. And the, and maybe the creators, right? Maybe the Russo brothers and Ryan Gosling and whoever else is producing this, maybe it ends up being in their lap of, of uh, where do they go next? And what, do they have a big idea that requires two hours? Or do they have something that has a natural break in it where like Avengers Endgame or an Avengers Infinity War, you could actually like play into the fact that there's a, a delay between and uh, leave everybody hanging. Um, it's up to them creatively to decide, but they've got, I like that they've got the options in a way that the old kind of, it has to be a major motion picture release, uh, that those rules don't necessarily apply at least as much to Netflix. Uh, Peacock premium has launched to everybody. Um, Oh, has it? Yes. (laughs) What are your, what's been your experience so far? So this is the streaming service from NBC universal, which is owned by Comcast, which means that it is a streaming service from a cable company which is interesting because we view streaming service as sort of the future and you can cut the cord from your cable company, your TV provider, your traditional t- linear, linear TV provider. And uh, so what does it look like if you if it's a streaming service from the linear TV provider? And, and the answer is I got it free because I have Comcast cable, hmm. um, which is, I think, just such a cable company move, right? They're like, oh, yeah, ca- cord cutters, you just buy it, and you got our streaming service. Great. There's even a free tier, and then there's like a $5 a month tier that is Peacock Premium, and then there is a, a $10 a month tier called Peacock Premium Plus, Mike. Are you being serious? <laughs> Premium Plus, yes. It's called Peacock, Peacock Premium Plus? Premium Plus, and that's the ad-free version of Peacock Premium. Is that? Is Peacock I, I feel Premium like we didn't know Plus. that, right? Because we were calling it Peacock Plus before, which was the joke. Yeah, I I wasn't aware of it. It it may have been out there, but I wasn't aware of it until it launched and I clicked because I have Peacock Premium. And what I found is that if I would like to make the ads on Peacock go away, as a Comcast subscriber, I can pay $5 a month to upgrade to Peacock Premium Plus, and then I don't see the ads. That is ridiculous. And for everybody else, it's whatever, $10 a month without the ads, $5 a month with the ads. Why not just call it Peacock Plus? Why Premium Plus? Plus. It's silly. It's It's more. Um, There's some interesting stuff in here. 
NBC has moved all of their uh, Premier League content. So NBC has the Premier League in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is football slash soccer. Everybody, British soccer, English soccer. Um, it's more than English. It's mm, it's there's more, yeah it's there's more popular like as football than than American football. Just you know yeah no, but it's English football because it's literally it's the Premier English Premier League. Oh, it's not, it's okay. only England and and okay. uh, like like uh, may, uh, sometimes a team in Wales. It's mm-hmm. not even Scotland. They have their own league. Um, and I assume Northern Ireland has their own league, but I don't know. Anyway, soccer talk. Um, the but in the U.S., the NBC's got it. And what they did a few years ago is they um. I think last year, two years ago, they took all the games that were not on their network or on their um, their cable channel, NBC Sports Network, and they put it on a streaming service called NBC Sports Gold, which costs $65 a year. And what, what they've done is they put all of that stuff into Peacock so or Peacock Premium. And so what that means is essentially that I get all the all the soccer matches now where I wasn't paying for NBC Sports Gold, so I only got what they chose. Um. And uh, so that's kind of interesting. So they're pushing a lot of their sports stuff that they used to have on these like more esoteric niche services. And they're just pushing them into Peacock, which I think is the right thing to do. Right. They they're really um, they want to load up on the content in Peacock and have that's the product they want to sell to people. So they pushed all their soccer stuff in there. Um, It's got a few features that I really like that that other streaming services and other apps have tried. Uh, but I, I like that they're giving it a go. They have this thing called channels that's not like Apple TV channels or Amazon channels. This is like television channels. So it wants to replicate the experience of flipping to a channel and seeing what's on. <laughs> so so it's a live stream channel. Um, I have suspicions that they developed this technology because they were going to launch with the Olympics this summer, which ended up <laughs> not happening. But the idea there that they would have these live various live stream channels of different things happening at the Olympics. Yeah. And they don't they don't have that. But they do have things. So there's like there's a Jimmy Fallon channel where it's just different Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon shows streaming endlessly. Like uh, there's a Bob Ross channel, The Painter. That's a good idea. Right. So you just flip on if you want to be calm and, and uh, relax, you flip on the Bob Ross channel and it's just endless streaming Bob Ross. Uh, there's an 80s rewind channel that's got a bunch of 80s like comedies and detective shows and stuff. Uh, there's an office channel, so you just flip it to the office and it's episodes of the office forever. Um, they this Fox did this for a while with their Simpsons app. They had a Simpsons app where you could just stream and it was endless stream of the Simpsons too. So I think it's a I think it's a clever idea. Um, and it's good for sports. Like they're using this for the soccer stuff. Now they use the channel interface for that. That's where you're watching the live soccer match as you flip to that channel for that's showing that match. Um, so that's an interesting idea. Um, tries to get to the, uh, thought of that. Maybe sometimes you just want to kind of dial in a particular thing and then just not fiddle with the interface. Like there's no autoplay or anything. It's just literally it just plays forever. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, an interesting thing to try. They they have a bunch of or they've got some original content, but it seems kind of cobbled together from various parts of the Universal NBC Empire. They've got this show Brave New World that sounds very much like it was built for the Sci-Fi Channel and then kind of repurposed into Peacock Premium. Um, although there is a show that I like, AP Bio, which was a uh, sitcom on NBC, and they re- this is the story we talked about a while ago and got some good laughs out of it, which is that NBC canceled it and then uh, Peacock saved it, and the re- there was a oh, real yeah. question of like, why did you not just come hello, <laughs> like have a conversation about maybe we should put this on? That's not how they did it. They just canceled it and then they saved it from themselves. Uh, it's so weird. Um, so I'll watch that because that's coming back this fall, um, and and that's an original. 
that they're presumably just producing like they did for the network, except it's going to be on Peacock instead. And I think a, a twist that will be fun when it happens is that um, Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers' uh, late night shows, which, you know, they record those at like five in the afternoon in New York City, and then they air at night, 1130 and 1230 at night. Um they're going to be released at 8 Eastern, so in prime time. So if you're a fan of a late night talk show and you don't want to stay up and watch it in late night, you can watch it much earlier, like three and a half hours earlier on Peacock. However, they're not doing that yet because of COVID-19. Uh, in fact, Fallon just went back to his studio last week, but it's with a skeleton crew and the production logistics of getting that show ready to go by 8 instead of 1130 is a, a bit much right now. So that will they say that will happen in the future. But I think that's an interesting idea too, the idea that you know they they've got this original content that they've they've built up for linear broadcast. So it's like, well, that's got a time slot. It's 11:30. And 8 o'clock is for, you know, dramas or sitcoms um or reality shows. And with Peacock, NBC can say or or it's for Jimmy Fallon or it's for Seth Meyers, so like whatever. Whatever you want to watch. Uh, at eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night, go right ahead uh, on Peacock. So interesting. We'll see how that goes when they when they try it out. Um, and I got to use the apps. I use the iPad app and I use the Apple TV app for Peacock. Um, I was frustrated by the Apple TV app because they're doing that thing so many, um, not as much as, as before, I think. I think this is, is, I think every Apple TV app developer has this great idea that they're going to reinvent how video works on the mm-hmm. Apple TV. And then they realize that they probably should stop fighting it and just do what Apple does. But, you know, here it is again, Peacock, like, doesn't really use the UI conventions of uh, other Apple TV apps, so you kind of have to learn how to use it, which is super annoying. Um, I did find a funny quirk, which is in their movie uh, interface on Apple TV, they have, like, movies that are available. They show you the Rotten Tomato score, but only if it's good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can click through and you can see it for all yeah. of them, right? But on yeah. the top level where it's just the tiles, it'll be like Jurassic Park, 80%. Jurassic Park 2, also a movie. Jurassic <laughs> Park 3, yep, this is a movie. Or The Matrix, uh, 98%. The Matrix 2, 64%. And The Matrix 3 is a movie that's available here. Uh, that made me laugh. Like somebody had that like, don't show it if it's a bad review. We want them to click. Like, all right, okay, we can do that. Um, a, a bigger interface problem is that they don't have dates on the episodes it doesn't say like when this episode dropped and um that makes it hard to tell is this this week's is this new or you know or is this today's is this today's jimmy fallon or yesterday's jimmy fallon i, think I don't know that is particularly difficult when they do lean on late night talk shows right well this is this is an example where it, it it's the worst right but yeah. um actually and it's worse than that because they also sort their seasons uh, with the first episode of the season at the top, which means if you want to get to the, if you use that navigation to get to Jimmy Fallon or Seth Meyers, you have to you have to go in and scroll endlessly oh. to the bottom because oh. every because the most recent episode is at the bottom of the list. Oh. It's season whatever episode 125 or something. Oof. So th- there's some clear mistakes here where they, they you know i don't know it, it, it's not as well thought as it, as it should be and and again coronavirus related stuff and and uh they were planning on the olympics and they've had to scramble and i get all of that but there's like a lot of questionable decisions in here i i imagine they'll work 
uh, work it out. As Coronavirus isn't the reason that you slit your episodes that way. Like, well, no, but I'm saying that their their but their development team could have been quite disrupted by it, right? Like, and and yeah. they ended up having to ship something that was not as far along sure. as they would have liked because they had to send their people home, and that and and you know I, I'm willing to give them a little bit of a break because they their entire strategy had to change because the Olympics got moved, and presumably their development team got sent back to their houses. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a great example of somebody making a very simple UI decision saying, oh yeah, um, we'll just sort the episodes this way and not thinking through what that meant uh, in terms of something like a talk show where like, cause I went there and I was like, I want to, oh, I hear Jimmy Fallon went back to the studio this week. I want to see that episode. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell what episode it was when it was from. And when I went to the, to get the definitive answer, which was to look in the list of episodes, it was at the very bottom of a very long scrolling list, which, you know, this is all fixable, but it's dumb. So it's a work in progress, Peacock Premium. And when, uh, if there's a show that I'm actually going to watch on it, like AP Bio, when that comes back, I'm going to watch the, the English soccer on it now. But uh, when AP Bio comes back, I might sign up for Peacock Premium Plus mm-hmm. so I don't have to see their stupid ads. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile, the folks who can cut your wireless bill to $15 a month with their futuristic approach to wireless. If you're still using one of the big providers this year, have you asked yourself what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, hidden fees, there is ample opportunity to take advantage of people like you, right? They increase their prices or their prices are high because of the way that they work. It's time that somebody came in and shook that up a little bit, and that's what Mint Mobile is here to do. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Don't you prefer that, everything being online or online people? Do you want to go to stores? Definitely not. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead and then passes those savings directly to you, making it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just $15 a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, and you can stop paying for unlimited data that you're not using. You can choose between plans of 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE. You can also use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep your same phone number or your existing contact tax and just ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with mint mobile jason i believe that mint sent you a, a care package that included a sim uh, i want yeah. to just ask what that experience is like yeah it actually reminded me of my very nice experience i had when i uh would travel to ireland or the uk and i used a uh, a prepaid wireless there and it comes in a little it's like a little credit card kind of thing and it's got a uh, a sim card and the sim card is perforated at the different sizes of sim card which for a modern iPhone, you want the the smallest of those sizes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so you can if you've got an older phone that's got a bigger one, you perforate it at a different place, and it goes in that that tray, SIM tray. So it's very clever. Um, and I put it in an iPhone that was actually uh, it's actually my iOS fourteen test iPhone, and um, so popped it in there and went to their website and put in the little code that's on the back of the card, and it goes great. And then the carrier shows up, Mint Mobile shows up on the. Uh, on the iPhone. It was super easy to do. And they have they have an app too, but I actually just use their website and you put in the code on the card and um and and that's it. Now if you're moving your phone, you do a, there's a little bit more to do in order to move your phone number. In this case, they just generated they told me they said, "Where are you?" and then they generated a phone number based on my area code, and, which was super convenient and and that was it. I had a new phone with a new phone number. Oh, that's nice that you can just say like, "Give me a number with this code." 
I like yeah, that. I w- That's very yeah. clever. And I, I, I'm now thinking that, you know, should I have made it some, you know, like a like a New York area code or something? So I or could like be Alaska like Alaska or something. Yeah. Oh, Go that's wild. right. Or Hawaii. Yeah. Right? Imagine. Aloha means you're calling me on my uh, Mint Mobile phone. But I didn't do that. I just have a 415 because that's the area code of record here in the Bay Area. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free... Go to mintmobile.com slash upgrade. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash upgrade. Go there right now. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. We knew it was coming, and it is here. Apple News Plus audio stories. Mm. Um there was a few things related to Apple News in the audio department that happened uh, in the middle of last week. The most interesting one is their podcast, which we'll talk about in a bit, but I'll give everybody the kind of the rundown of what they're doing here. Um, so Apple News Plus Audio Stories is available. It was available with iOS 13.6, which I expect will be the final point release to iOS 13, but who knows at this point? You never um, know. You never know. Around 10 stories per week. Uh, was it? Oh, sorry, it's 20. 20. Around 20 stories per week um, are going to be professionally narrated by professional voice actors, uh, as Apple has said. <laughs> Voice actors. You can switch between reading and listening at any point. So if you're reading an article that has the narration, you can choose to pick it up as audio or vice versa and go back to where you were in the story, which is just nicely done. Didn't have to do that. I don't think that was required, but that's good functionality. Uh, US only for the moment, which is peculiar to me because Apple News Plus is only available in three markets, uh, four markets, which is US, UK, Australia, and Canada. Um, and I don't understand why they haven't made it available everywhere. I mean, I would understand if there's maybe some publications that they only have in one market, but I surely there is a crossover for at least some of them. And considering everybody is paying the same amount if they're a subscriber, <laughs> I don't understand why they wouldn't have either A, made it available, or B, it's only four markets, right? Like, you don't, you know, have an option for everyone. So that's a weird, that's just like a weird wrinkle in this to me. Um, I think that it potentially shows that, that maybe potentially shows Apple's hesitancy with anything News Plus related because it really seems like it's not gone the way that they wanted. But um, yeah, that's peculiar. I find that strange, especially because Apple News Today, the podcast hosted by Shumita Besu and Duarte Geraldino, who are named, their artwork is in the show, like, but they came from a WNYC show to this. So like, they are known as producing uh, daily news shows. It's hosted right. every weekday. We'll talk about that more in a bit. But that is uh, that's available everywhere except, mm-hmm. well, not except, but in uh, the Apple News app, it's only available in the US, but it's on Apple Podcasts and podcast apps around the world. So, right. So, you know, I think that there's there's some elements to that which we'll get to in a minute as to why that's the case. Uh, Apple News has also been added to CarPlay, which makes sense to support the audio features that they've added. Um, and then the last component of uh, the Apple News Plus stuff is a new focus on local news. It's currently in a handful of major U.S. markets, 
and features, quote, a diverse collection of local publishers, including a major newspaper in each region covering sports, culture, dining, weather, politics, that kind of stuff, which is local to those areas. There is still going to be curation from Apple News editors, and there'll be an element of personalization for everybody. What do you think about the local news pivot? It's an interesting idea. I have the same concerns I've always had about Apple News Plus, which is that I'm not sure it solves the problem of how you fund journalism. Um, modern journalism has lots of issues of, of how, how the money comes in now that they're not getting, the newspapers especially are not getting the money that they used to from advertising uh, and print classified ads and things like that. And it's been a, it's a decades long issue for, for local journalism. And I think that Apple News Plus, there are scenarios where Apple News Plus could help. I'm not sure if they've got it here because it sounds like they're basically like making a partner. So in the Bay Area, it seems to be that the San Francisco Chronicle is their partner. The Chronicle is presumably getting money for this. Um, and then they're backfilling with other stuff, you know, sports blogs for the region's sports, you know, and, and other local blogs and things. I don't know. Like, I want, I feel like they're, that Apple News Plus, there's some aspect of Apple News Plus that might actually benefit local news, but I'm not sure this is it. I, I'm I'm not sure that this really solves anything because in the end, you're getting some curation. That's nice as an Apple News user. But in terms of who's supporting the reporting that's going into generating the data sources uh, for the curation, I'm not entirely sure. This is something I joked about, half joked about in a previous episode about how if Apple really cared about uh, local journalism, it should fund local journalism. I'm not sure this is the way, you know, from based on what we know about Apple News Plus, especially, I'm not sure this actually does that. Um, and that's the problem. Like, I, I would love Apple to more actively fund, like, actively fund local journalism and then have that result pour into Apple News Plus. But um, they aren't doing that. And I, I understand their business reasons why that may not work for them either. But I'm not sure like the San Francisco Chronicle is going to ultimately benefit from being the hub of content at the center of the Bay Area regional for Apple News Plus. I, I just... I. So file it under the same thing as all the other stuff, which is I'm having a hard time seeing how Apple News Plus benefits publishers. I think it's at least like something else to to try, like in a way that maybe a lot of local news agencies do not have good monetization strategies. And like this may this may be a better thing for local news than than the large publications. The problem is that a regional, anytime you've got, so they're talking about like U.S. cities here, right? So you've got the newspaper in the city. I mean, they probably have a subscription plan for access. They probably have a paywall on a subscription plan. I'm not sure getting your local people to sign up for Apple News Plus and get your newspaper that way is remotely as good as getting them to sign up for you directly. Well, that's that's right? always the, like, that's the same right? in every instance. You know? That's Apple News Plus, which is why I, I've said uh, before, and I, I'm actually kind of serious here, is the solution to uh, local good local news is somebody needs to put money into good local news. And if Apple thinks that Apple News is a strategic thing, and I would 
actually argue that Apple, if Apple felt like one of the ways that it wanted to leave the world better than it found it was by informing its uh, people about what's going on in their regions, that this could be a fundamental like tenet of Apple and Apple News, where Apple mm-hmm. is more aggressive about funding local news organizations, whether it's the existing ones or new ones, in order to generate content that feeds into Apple News Plus. But what they're doing is they're trying to kind of like have existing organizations subvert their own business model for Apple's model, which is really rigged to benefit Apple. And I don't think it works. So that's that's the problem I have with it is that uh, there is a solution to be had here, but it doesn't seem like Apple's actually trying to solve it. And this doesn't feel to me, it feels better than what they were doing before, but I'm not sure it actually solves any of the fundamental problems with Apple being uh, wanting to insert itself as a middleman between the publishers and the readers. So I'll ask though, is there like a good business case to doing that funding local news like what what will apple get out of it i well i mean i could say if apple funded local news it would get content out of it for apple news and the apple news content could be very good local and national and regional news but it would also be saying we're also improving the quality of journalism in the united states let's say cuz everything they do for apple news seems to be just in the united states uh but if you're but it would have to be kind of a long game kind of a you know we're going to do this because it's right and we're going to figure it out as we go and we're going to build a business here and Honestly, Apple News Plus is not that. Apple News Plus is a somewhat cynical aggregation play for Apple where they want to take a big chunk of money off the top and that figure that the accumulated glow of being inside an Apple app is going to benefit these news sources. And while most of these news sources don't have very good apps and don't have very good websites, Apple News isn't a very good app either. So... You know, just to just to call it what it is, mm. this is Apple trying to sneak money out of a market that is dying uh, and desperately trying to find a new business model. And it feels to me, and has felt all along, a bit like what Apple's trying to do is claim that they're coming in to save journalism, but what they really want to do is pull money out of uh, out of the readers' pockets and not share much of it with local journalism. And that's why Apple News, that's why I think ultimately, unless they really rethink it, Apple News is a failure. All right, let's talk about Apple News today, which is the podcast, because that's maybe even more interesting to me. And you, we've been talking for a long time. What are Apple going to do in the podcasting space? We mentioned the um, Zane Lowe interview series, uh, and that was something they were bringing over. But that was like a half step. This is a full on step. This is a brand new show daily, right? Like, so this is a big production. Um, Now, we were wondering, how are Apple going to do this type of content? Are they going to make exclusive content and be like Spotify? Are they going to embrace the open web and give it to everybody? Uh, let's say it's a little bit in the middle. Uh, Apple are saying this is available on Apple Podcasts. That's the only place that they're going to say it. That's not a surprise to me, right? That that even if Apple made something that was available everywhere, that when they promote it, when they talk about it, they say it's on Apple Podcasts. I mean, why not? Because so much of the podcast ecosystem just says that anyway at the moment, right? Like I, I don't have um, any issue personally with them choosing to market their show as saying it's on Apple Podcasts. But it is not exclusive to Apple Podcasts. As it stands right now, it's not the only place you can get it. 
Uh, it is searchable and subscribable in every third-party app that I've tried. Pocket Cast, Overcast, Castro. You can search for Apple News today, find it, subscribe, you get the episodes. Because it is based on RSS. Apple have done a little work to obscure the feed. It's not in like the usual places that you would find it when you subscribe in uh, the podcast app or iTunes or whatever. But it is based on an open RSS feed. Third-party apps have been able to add it to their uh, directories. You can subscribe and you can listen. So they may not want to encourage you to listen to apps that aren't Apple Podcasts, but you can. I think is a pretty good compromise, personally, because they're not warping what it is to be a podcast, but they are using their marketing to promote their own service. I think that's a fair enough compromise. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Apple's always going to promote Apple Podcasts. I would say... um I don't know to what degree they're hiding the RSS feed here, but like they shouldn't well, try, they they shouldn't try to hide the RSS for feed. It, and I've seen reporting from lots of people that like the RSS feed is not in the typical place in the Apple podcast direction. Right. Like it's possible to get the feeds out and you kind of can't do that. Okay. Well, I mean that that's my only, my only real complaint is that if they are also making this available to other podcast apps, there should be some link somewhere. If there is, then great. There should be some link somewhere on their website when they're talking about this, where maybe it's a footnote, which is, you know, or any other podcast app using this feed, but they're primarily promoting Apple Podcasts because, you know, step one is, yeah, it's not just in Apple Podcasts. Great. Step two is you should probably not try to hide it in the, you know, in the bathroom uh, behind a locked door in a filing cabinet with a sign on the door that says, beware the leopard. leopard. That's a reference. Mm-hmm. Um Right where it's like no no uh, it is on Apple Podcasts secretly it's also elsewhere is not a great look I think that they should should like I said put in a footnote somewhere don't try to hide it yeah I would prefer them to do that but better than than wiring it into Apple Podcasts and then yep. not having it be available in any other app yes absolutely better than that and that's kind of one of the very conceivable things that we expected them to do right. But I am actually really happy with the fact that they have done whatever work they needed to do to create a podcast which is delivered via RSS. They did that. Now, this this didn't happen like within a week. Like Apple know they've been doing this for a while. They could have very easily made the, the whatever they, not easy, but they very well conceivably could have done whatever they needed to do to make this exclusive to them, but they didn't do that. Um you know, I saw a lot of technology outlets reporting on this saying it was exclusive to Apple Podcasts, which it kind of irked me a little bit cuz like it wasn't hard to do the work to see that that wasn't the case. Um, but people just kind of read the press release and then just reported on it that way. Like That kind of stuff frustrates me. I find in a lot of technology press, the reporting on the podcast industry to be pretty bad, honestly, uh, which is just a little beef that I'm picking here for no, sp- no particular reason. Um, but there's a lot of like, we got a press release. We're just going to say what the press release said and move on when I feel like it could, this stuff could be, should be covered a little better, a little more nuance. Anywho, I listened to the podcast itself, Jason. It's actually pretty good. Like, I'm not surprised. I, uh, I enjoyed the variance of the topics. It is too US focused for me, um, especially because this is this like isn't region locked. You can get it anywhere. I would love to see them 
build it out a little more. Uh, but it, it so far has been pretty US focused. Uh, the stories that they get into in detail are in Apple News. So they, they do a kind of like a headline rundown at the start where they don't particularly talk about any specific news story, but they'll cover like they'll talk about briefly like what's going on in the world. But then they, they link to and talk about the, the stories that they talk about in depth. They, they link to Apple News stories, which makes sense. It's like a vertical integration. Absolutely. Um, you can tell they've hired professionals across the board. It is entertaining, it's informative, and it's produced well, in my opinion. They use a lot of audio clips, and they're mixed in really well. Um, they do that typical like uh, mainstream podcast sound design of there always being music playing. But oh. I don't like that, but they do a good job of it, I think. Um, like it's not it's not really in your face, but there is a little bit of that in there where they have music interstitials and they have sometimes music beds. And they're not constant, yep. but they're there, right? All right. But I think that the sound design is good. I think that they've done, an, from, in my opinion, an especially good job considering I bet there's a studio they're supposed to be recording in that they're not, right? And uh, so I've been I follow both of the hosts on Twitter now. And they've been posting like lots of pictures of uh, of how of like their setups and stuff, which I think is fun. You know, in general, I'm I'm kind of just pleased that they are allowing Shumita and Duarte to be public figures that produce the show, and they <laughs> they actually have interactions with each other. Like they're not mm. just reading news stories. Like. Sure. It feels like there is an actual personality to the program, which I think is important. And I'm pleased that they are doing that because I don't think I could have told you that's exactly what Apple would have done if I would have known this project was going to exist, right? Yeah, it's not the Apple, old Apple approach, which would have been nameless, faceless, you know, again, kind of extruded from out of Apple, here is a product. And instead, it's, this is a product that needs personalities. and. Mm -hmm. And that it's going to live or die based on that. And and it's Apple is the brand, but you know that's not how a podcast that was not driven by personalities like that would not be a successful podcast. So yep. it's they they've hired people who know what they're doing it, clearly here. It, it was really interesting to me that they basically wholesale hired a team from WMYC. Mm -hmm. I find that to be very smart, honestly. Like just just get some people that know what they're doing if you want to do this. Like don't rebuild the wheel. Right. Yep. Let them do this. Yeah. And I can tell you, as somebody who has worked in the media for a long time, that um, Apple coming to you and and the media so economically pressured, as we've been saying all along here, it's it's a has been a tough couple of decades in the media. And you have the world's richest company roll in and say, uh, "We want to set this up, and we'll hire you." Like those people are getting probably better jobs, better pay, better benefits, better working conditions, like. This is one of those things where being hired by a giant company to do essentially what you already do mm -hmm. <laughs> is that's pretty that's a pretty sweet deal. It's kind of hard to turn that down. So it's 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 not surprising that they were able to kind of go in and just hire those people away. It's also probably the right thing to do. You're right because that's the kind of content they want. Yeah. Don't just if you can find people that are already doing it, then go for that. I think it makes sense. I'm going to keep this in my rotation. I, and I've been I listened to a couple of episodes so I could be prepared for the show. But today's I was like, I want to hear about that. It was about John Lewis. 
And I was like, right. I don't, I don't, I feel like I haven't had much exposure to him as being someone from the United Kingdom, but like I'm kind of aware of him and, and some of the stuff that he's done. But I was like, no, I would like a little bit more background. And it gave me that. Uh, so I'm going to keep this show around and uh, keep, I, I've, because I have genuinely been enjoying it. So I actually think that they've done a very good job. And I'll at least say that I'm happy that they didn't go for the complete like bad timeline with how Apple would produce uh, a con- like podcasts of their own. So, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like this isn't completely locked down. It's locked down a little bit, but it's locked down in a way that I'm personally comfortable with. Like market it however you want, but just let me get it the way that I want and don't completely ruin what open RSS is all about. And I'm, I'm pleased that they've taken that. Um, they've taken that, that slant on it for now, at least. I hope that they continue that way. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Pingdom. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is, no matter how good your marketing has been to bring somebody to your page, if it's loading slowly or not at all, they're just going to leave. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you're able to discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experiences so you can take action before you're impacted. How people visit your website depends on so many varying factors, whether you're looking at a browser, device, platform, no matter what they're using things can make it can make for a different experience and you want to be able to identify that before you see these bad things happen to people you want to be able to make informed optimizations to deliver a great performance to those who matter most to you your visitors real user monitoring is an event-based solution so it's built for scalability meaning that you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or maybe even more importantly not breaking the bank in the process either Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you'll get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get a fantastic 30% of your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. So, Mr. Jason Snell, it is time for our Summer of Fun topic. Today, we've been talking quite a bit about macOS Big Sur recently, and we are this time and next time, actually, we're going to talk about Big Sur during the summer of fun because it's a fun operating system. But along with the vast visual changes in Big Sur, which we've been talking about and many of our podcasting colleagues have been talking about, Apple also completely changed the typical sounds you hear when using the operating system. So considering this is a podcast which is an audio medium. Mm-hmm. Why don't we review those sounds? Yeah, it, this would be less useful if I wrote a story about this on Six Colors, right? Yes. Like, let me describe how the sounds have changed. And you can picture it in your mind or, or listen to it in your mind, how you imagine this. Or we could use a medium like a podcast and actually play the sounds. So for the record, these are found in slash system slash sounds and slash system slash library slash component slash core audio dot component slash shared support slash system sounds. Yep. 
Yep. So system the slash system slash sounds is where your beeps are, and then you can do custom beeps like my voice that says beep, beep. from Soundmaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, in I think that's uh, user directory sound library sounds. I think is where you put those. Um, but the the defaults are in slash system slash sounds, and then the other sound effects are found in that long chain that's down in components core audio dot component. And that's where you get things like emptying the trash. Those live in there. Now. There's been lots and lots of sounds that have changed, but I don't think we're going to listen to all of them, right? Uh, yeah, we are, Mike. We're oh, listening we to all of them. Oh, okay. We got all of them? Great. Then let's go well, for it. All the ones that I could find. Oh, uh, okay. Fine. So we're going to start with the beeps, and then we're going to move on to a few. Not not a lot of the system sounds have changed, but some of the most obvious ones have. But they, they Apple has redone all the beeps. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting in my in my research for this is Apple has redone all the beeps without changing their file names, but they have changed the names in the sound control panel, which is super weird, right? So Wait. they have... <laughs> what is that? Yeah, so so I'll give you an example. Okay. So there used to be a an alert called pop. If you go to system preferences and click on sound and choose an alert sound, there used to be an alert called pop. It's now, and and the file, the corresponding file in slash system slash sounds was pop.wave or pop.aiff. I don't remember. It's pop was the name of it. Now, there is still a file called pop. It has a different sound in it. And the name pop doesn't appear in the system sound control panel anymore. Instead, the name bubble plays the sound file called pop. Um. <laughs> now I'm and assuming... you're asking yourself why? Why not just rename? Why not just rename the files? Yeah. and have those names appear rather than using the old, rather than changing presumably the system preferences app somehow to map new names to old file names. And my answer is, I don't know. I guess they had a reason. I can only assume that there's some like compatibility thing, right? Or like it's hard right. coded into something somewhere and it was just Yeah, if you've got an app or a script or something that says play the sound file pop, yeah. Um it'll play it even though now in the UI it says bubble. That's but hilarious. If I, but I don't know if I write a script and say play bubble, will it play pop or will it fail? I don't know. Something to check in the betas, I guess. <laughs> so, are we gonna uh, we'll, we're gonna compare the old to the new? Is that how we're gonna do this? We are. Fantastic. We are gonna do that. Thank you. Are you ready? Got. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start with Catalina, and okay. this is uh, this is a sound called basso, and it will be followed by Big Sur, where basso has been renamed mezzo. Ready? Yeah. Here's basso. How'd that sound? That, that's my that's my era sound. Okay, get ready for basso mezzo. Oh no, no, that's it's higher, not the same. It's mezzo now. It's not basso I don't anymore. Like it's that. mezzo. Because what I like about basso is in my mind my computer's going ah, right, like, <clears throat> right. You no, know? that's what I like well, about that. Now it's sound. going ah. But you see, I don't like that. Can you play that one again for me? Get basso mezzo. No, I don't like it. For some reason, mezzo, mezzo sounds like the older sound. <laughs> that mm-hmm. one sounds like it came from like the 80s or something. I don't like that one. All right. Should we move on? Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I kind of agree with you that that the use of basso is to get your attention is like, oops, something bad happened, and the new one's like, like I guess it's sort of sad, sad trombone like a little bit, but yeah, it's not aggressive enough, I think. All right, here's a sound called blow, except in Big Sur, it's called breeze. Okay. So they're related. There, some of those, some of these are related. Yeah. Where they, it looks like they're having fun, like basso and mezzo, blow and breeze. Others don't make any sense at all. So anyway, here's blow in Catalina, and here's breeze in Big Sur. Oh, that's much nicer. You like that? It's more yeah, of a chime like and less of blowing on the less of blowing on the um on a bottle, which yeah. is what blow definitely is. Yeah, I don't I don't really like the blow sound very much, but I actually really like the breeze sound. I think that's just a good sound. That's a good interface sound. All right, so that's a thumbs up. That's a thumbs up. Okay, so they're they're one for two now. One up, so one down. Just to confirm, these sounds do they all have a place in the operating system or you just choose for your error sound? I think you choose for your error sound. Um, although they, there may be apps that play them as well. Right, but these are all available to you, and in certain instances you might hear one or the other. I mean, and there are some that are specific that we'll get into later on, but the error sounds, mostly, like, you can choose them. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. That, that makes sense. All right, here we go. This, is, this one is called Bottle, not to be confused with Blow. Now, maybe this we understand why they renamed these, although yeah. not why they renamed them only in one place and not in the files themselves. This is the Catalina Bottle. And then it'll be followed by Pebble, which is what Bottle is now called in Big Sur. Bottle. Pebble. I like that. Because Pebble sounds like you're dropping a stone into the water. Mm-hmm. And it sounds quite like Bottle, but it's better. But more. Yeah, but, but more, more. More texture, more nuance. I, I agree. Yeah. I think that's actually a nice thing about it. Can I hear Pebble again? Sure. You want to hear you, the new the new Pebble? Here it is. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. That's a good sound. All right, that's a like. Okay, Apple's Apple's up two to one now in the new <laughs> in the in the new sound derby. This turned Apple's into up. a different kind of game than I was expecting, but I, I'm I, enjoying it. Okay, this is a this is a sound called frog. Uh, except in Big Sur, it's called jump. Huh. That kind of makes sense, right? So here here's frog. This is a this is a good one. And here's jump. Oh, no. That's not enough. There's not enough noise there. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like frog, right? It's it's fine. I don't like I I I don't particularly like it. But there's there's just not enough noise in jump. It's too short. Yeah. I like frog. I actually use frog in one of my scripts to say the script is done. Um and I've used it in other I, I use it a lot because it's really not obtrusive. I'm worried the jump is so not obtrusive as to have become invisible. I think that that's a similar problem with mezzo. Like jump and mezzo, right. they are, you might not even really notice them. Yeah. They're, they're too, Does an they're alert too sound slight. work if, if you aren't actually alerted by it? If an alert sound <laughs> falls in the forest, but there was nobody around to hear it, Right, uh-huh. that's the problem. Sure, yeah, yeah, like that could that be. All right, this <laughs> this is a sound called thunk. Yep. However, big news, breaking news here, breaking news in Big Sur. It's called 
funky. <laughs> well, okay, I'm expecting more if you're going from funk to funky. So well, one letter more at least. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Here's funk and then funky. Okay, that's too much more. Too much more. Okay. Uh funk I feel like is a pretty classic one. Right? Like I, I feel like I hear maybe funk is mine. Yeah, funk is mine. I use funk for an alert one my typical alert sound. Uh, I, th- there was one that I said already that I used for. I must use it somewhere else because I hear it a lot. But funk, I've just looked now. That's the sound that I hear, and that's a good one. It's like a dunk. It's like a that feels pretty, pretty like classic to the Mac for me. Um, funky's too much. I think. I think there's too much noise going on there. They've added it a little bit. It's sort of a single blip versus this like little little mini music composition and and as with frog i kind of just want it to be a blip mm, mm-hmm. um so we got it we got a dislike for that uh-oh apple's down now two to three uh it's not not trending well okay we're moving on to uh a sound called glass which has been renamed crystal mm. in big sur so from glass to crystal you can see the family resemblance mm-hmm. here they are Good. Yeah. Yep. It retains the good part of glass, but makes it sound more modern. As Joe Steele in the Discord says, more expensive sound, and I would agree. It sounds like Crystal was a more Crystal. expensive sound. Yeah, yeah, we fancied that that glass sound up. I like that it is I never really liked that glass sound, and it's because it's it's maybe a little too unpleasant. And 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 jarring, but then again, I also leave the room when somebody else is emptying the dishwasher because I find those sounds really unpleasant. Mm. Um, and crystal is better because it's a little less of that, a little less jarring, I think. Mm. Okay, and it's more expensive. It's a more expensive name. Yeah. All right, here here is one that I really enjoy what Apple did with the naming system because it's a sound called Hero, and in Big Sur, it's called Heroin. Good. That's good. I like right? that. That's clever. Okay. Well, let's the name naming convention yeah, is well, clever. Let's see what they did to the sound, huh? Let's yeah. see what they did to the sound. Here they are. Ooh. Ooh. Can I hear those again? Okay. All right. So it's basically the same sound, but there's a little prelude to the sound. I didn't know that alert sounds needed a little uh little percussive roll in. Yeah. But I think I like it. Here we go. Ooh. Bloop. I like that one. I do too. Yeah, it's a it's it's a little saucy. It's a little uh little <laughs> personality. It's like, hey, you know that hero sound? Well, I'm gonna jazz it up a little bit. It's kind of got like an island feel to it, you know? Yep. It's like we're taking the hero to the Caribbean or something. Uh, that's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like it. It's good. And she's that's a heroine a good now, but mm-hmm. yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like you took hero to the Caribbean, and now it's heroin. Yeah. Okay. Our next one is called Morse, mm-hmm. like Morse code. Yeah. And it has been replaced with a sound called ping. No, pong. Oh, sorry. A sound called pong. Yeah, okay, I know why here, you did that because the next okay, one's called ping. The, the <laughs> next one is called ping and there's also a pop. <laughs> there <laughs> oh, are these confusing. names. I mean, I don't want to be the person at Apple who has to name sounds, okay? Because it's hard. And and then and then people like us make fun of them, but still, it, it is worth making fun of. Okay, so it's Morse, which becomes Pong, not to be confused with Ping, which became something else, and we'll get to that. Here is Morse, followed by Pong in Big Sur. 
Okay. I'll play those again. It's a little more poppy. I actually think it's yeah. better because because you can miss Morse, but Pong you can hear it. Right. Is it okay. Can, it's, it's it's better. It's audible. It's still not a good like it's for me like it's not a great sound, but it is not better a good sound, than the but, one. It but replaces. it's an improvement. I, yeah. I think that's all we're really measuring here is did yeah. you did you improve these sounds? So for yeah. some people, uh, so okay. All right, now we're going to move on to Ping, which is not Pong and has been renamed Sonar. <laughs> also, by the way, Sonar, not to be confused with Submarine, <laughs> which is a totally different sound. This is Ping. It has become Sonar. I guess Hunt for Red October fans might enjoy it. Here it is, Ping, followed by Sonar. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Because the Ping sound honestly feels like it belongs in the new sounds. Can I hear them one more time, please? Okay. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, that was hang on. <laughs> a little mezzo there for you. <laughs> no, I don't want one mezzo. There was an error. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. I I like it. It's a good sound. I am going to say I dislike it, so we're going to okay. we're going to make this a split decision. Right. Um, I like the purity of the ping. It is just it is just a tone, and I don't think you need to bubble it up with like a with, with like I don't. I okay, don't need so that. here's what I'll say then. I prefer ping, but I don't dislike sonar. So maybe we could, but maybe we could call that dislike though, because I like the sound that it had before more. Ah, well, all right, so you pr- you prefer the old sound? I prefer okay. the old sound, but it's not like with some of them where I dislike the new one, but I, I think that it is a regression because I think ping is a better sound. So we'll, we'll, say, right. we'll say, we'll just call that dislike so we don't have to create another scoring category. So now submarines use pings and sonar and also can generate bubbles <laughs> and they submerge. These are all names of sounds, but this is the sound formerly known as pop, which has become bubble. A okay. bubble is a thing that, that, that pops. So that kind of makes sense. Yep. So here they are. Bop, bop, and bubble. No, <laughs> pop and bubble. Here they go. I prefer bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's it's Because I don't really think pop is much of anything. Right. I think that's it, is that it, although bubble is showy, and I've said it a couple of points that I think uh, you don't need to just dress necessarily dress up a sound, but sometimes it is either delightful or it like goes from being something you'd miss to something you might actually notice. Yeah. I'm not really sure why anybody would use the pop sound. It's too... That's way too easy to miss, that one. Yeah. yeah I don't like that one. Okay. So uh, if you're scoring at home, uh, thank you. It's six to four in favor of Apple's new sounds. Mm. We are moving on now to Purr, which has been renamed Pluck. We need to talk about this one. <laughs> From a cat to a chicken, apparently. Or is someone doing something terrible to a cat? I'm not sure. I don't know. Oh, I mm. mean, maybe we'll find out in the sounds, but this one of all of the naming ones seems rather peculiar. All right, here we go. Purr followed by Pluck. No. No. I I agree with you. I love the sound that I didn't even know was called purr, mm-hmm. but I, I I like it. It's like uh, I like purr. Again, it's funny, really, because there are there are sounds that 
I sometimes hear on my computer, and I like I know some of these sounds. So, but I don't know where I'm hearing them. But, but I guess right. what you're saying that some apps some app use is using them. it as an alert. Yeah, yeah. I think I much prefer purr to to pluck. Oh yeah, pluck pluck sounds like somebody hit a golf ball. <laughs> pluck honestly sounds quite similar to um, I think it's pebble. The one where it's dropping in the water. Uh huh. That's and this one. Yeah. Mm, not super similar, but they All sound. Right. Yeah, they they both sound to me like dropping a ball into something or whatever. Yeah, I don't like that one. Okay, we're gonna move on to Sosumi now. Sosumi is a beep sound with a, or at least name for a beep sound with a legendary history. Because there was a lawsuit from Apple Records to Apple Computer because when Apple was founded, they ended up having to reach an agreement with the Beatles about Apple Records, Apple Music, uh, involved, basically saying they wouldn't get into music and sound related things. And of course, as the computer evolved, they very much did that. And there were some lawsuits. Ultimately, Apple basically bought them out. And that's why there's Apple Music and stuff like that now is Apple basically wrote a, my understanding is a huge check to the the Beatles estates uh, and Apple records to do this. Um, But the joke was that they put this sound in there as a reference to that by naming it. So sue me, but they spelled it. So sue me. So this is a classic, very old Mac reference. Um, But what are they? And they left the name. So sue me continues to be the name, but they changed the sound. So you're going to hear Catalina. So me. And then big sir. So me. Big Sir Susumi. Big Sir Susumi. Susudio, here we go. Mm. So old Susumi is like, ah! And new Susumi is like, tink, ah! <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah! To, ah <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, can I get those ones again, please? Yes, here we go. The Susumis. I don't like it. I I like the last half, which is a, a like you can hear as a modernized version of the one that it's replacing. But yeah. I don't know why it does that part at the start. I don't I like agree. the part at the start. I feel like just a modernized version of Susumi would have been uh-huh. better rather than trying yep. to change it. Yeah, they put a little too much, a uh, little too much action on something yeah. that was fine. Mm. All right, we're going to move on to Submarine, which is one that I've used a lot, and it has been replaced with something called Submerge. See what they did there? Here we go. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would just say that that was Sonar, <laughs> right? Like if you I know. Said- <laughs> well, I, I was just as surprised as you that this is what this was. I use Submarine sometimes. It's a very stereo sound, by the way. It does a left-right pan kind of thing that Submerge doesn't do so much. Um, I think this is funny because they backed off of the like reverb and stuff that's in Submarine, and they've like simplified it with Submerge, which I think is funny since they said that, oh, we changed the sounds because modern Mac sound systems and it's a more immersive kind of thing. But in this case, they kind of went away from the uh, like super skeuomorphic, I guess, sound to something that's much more um, almost like a like a very simple alert tone. Um, and I'm not sure I not sure I like it. Not sure I like it. I'm going to play it again just so we can ponder a little more. The original's better. 
Yeah, I appreciate the simplification there, but I, I like the original. Okay. Apple is, we're tied now, 6-6. Six, six. Okay, we have one last alert, and then we're going to move on to some system sounds. We have a handful of system sounds. This is Tink, which has been renamed in Big Sur Boop. From Tink to Boop, everybody. From Tink to Boop. Here we go. I mean, there's not a lot to go on. No, it feels now. It feels like we're it, there's some sort of psychological exam that we're going through. <laughs> I mean, I prefer boop, I guess, because it's just a more pleasant sound. I agree with you, actually, that it, it is less ear splitting and annoying. Whereas Tink is so high pitched that it makes me want to, you know, swat whatever insect just buzzed past my ear. Yeah, I wouldn't use either of them. No, neither would I. But but. Tink suffers from that, like, you would never hear this problem, and Boop is at least a little bit more um, noticeable, but they didn't really go very far away to create Boop. All right, we're going to move on to some system alerts. Um, These don't have names, although they do have file names. I find that the file names don't always describe what's actually happening when they're played. We can talk about that if mm-hmm. you want, but but th- I'm going to just introduce them by their names, their file names, and then you can judge just how they, w- regardless of how they're used, whether the new sound improves yeah. on the old sound. So this sound is called drag to trash. And the new one. No, 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 I don't like that. <laughs> no. It, yeah. I mean, it's so dramatic. Oh, trash. It's in the trash versus... Mm. That's a bad sound. Like That's a bad sound. Right? Like, I, I actually would say that even the ones that I don't like, they're not necessarily bad. That one is just bad. Like, it doesn't sound good at all. Not up for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I don't, I don't agree. And that drag to trash sound is like... It feels iconic. I know. Well, they did something to the icon. Um, by the way, if they change any of these sounds before it goes final, we are taking full credit. Okay. Yeah. You and oh, me. Of course. A little packed right Who now. Who else is going to do this? No one else <laughs> now. We got there first. Yeah. I think nobody else was ever going to do this, but definitely we got there first. It's only the kind of thing, ridiculous thing you find in the upgrade summer of fun. Here is empty trash. You ready? Yep. And. What? So. So empty trash used to be like the rustling of trash or like you were crumpling up a piece of paper. The new empty trash seems to be opening a door or something. (laughs) I don't know what that... No, I don't like that one either. Yeah, I don't. I don't appreciate that. I I feel like... And I I appreciate that I've been hearing this one for like a couple of decades now. Mm -hmm. But it does have a kind of crumpled up garbage feel to it. And this... It's like, I, there's some crumpling there, but also, like, what is that clunk? Like, I mean... what is your trash... Is it a door to the trash bin? Is I understand it, how they're going from one mm. to the other, right? Because they've removed the, like, this sounds like it's going into a trash, like, waste paper basket, yeah. right? But the problem is, the crumple and the door close are happening simultaneously, which wouldn't happen, right? You can't crumple up your trash... And th- and close the bin door simultaneously, or your trash won't go in the bin. Mm. So I have some logic problems with this sound, is what I'm saying. I have some questions about the continuity. 
I don't like it. Yeah, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay, we're going to move on to something. that this is, this is a little weird. So there's a sound called grab, which is named after the utility that I think no longer exists. That was the screenshot utility in OS X for a very long time uh, that nobody used, but it was there from the very beginning. And then there's a, a sound called screenshot. And this is basically the new default sound when you take a screenshot. So the, the, the files are actually different files. But this is, we're going from the old default to the new default. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. And. Hmm. So how do you feel about skeuomorphism? I'll, I'll just point out uh, the sound of a, ca- a film camera winding its film after taking a shot. Lost on, lost on younger users. <laughs> right. But what's happened to iOS? I don't know. I'm going to, I haven't tried that. Have they changed the sound on iOS? Let me find out. No, they haven't. So why did they do that? Uh, that I think you've asked a very important question, which is why would you change the screenshot sound on one and not the other? Yeah. Like, I have no problem with that sound. And honestly, like the screenshot sound, it's like, what's the point with the screenshot sound? Like sounding like a photo being taken from a film camera. Like there's yeah. no point. In the same as like, what, you know... I know why, so what I say is I know why the camera has that noise, like the cameras are supposed to make that noise in certain regions right. of the world, like it's actually but a legal requirement. But a um, screenshot isn't a camera. Exactly. I mean, and neither does really, the. I don't think the, the camera has to make that exact sound, right? It can make any sound. I like the noise, if that's what we're judging it on. Yeah, I, I, I think I prefer it. I'm, I'm torn about this, because as a as a media computer tech media person, I take a lot of screenshots. And so that, that, that sound is like an old friend to me at the same time. It doesn't make any sense and it's kind of unpleasant. And the new sound indicates that you've taken a screenshot. Uh, so I'm going to say, I like it. Uh, change is hard, but I'm going to go with it. I think that they're okay in changing that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Mike, that brings us to our last sound. This sound, this file name is called volume mount, but I think of it as the volume network volume dismount sound. Uh, maybe I'm getting that wrong. But anyway, this is a sound that changed that involves external drives on your Mac. Right? Yeah, wait. Okay, yeah, I hear that noise a lot. Yeah, I huh. think that's the noise when I drag my external drive to the trash and it ejects. I get this. Yeah, I, I right? hear that. Or like when you drag something somewhere else in the system. Yeah, as James isn't saying in the chat room, it's the copy finish sound. Oh, it's the copy finish. Well, it's called volume mount. Okay. So, I don't know why, but it changed, and now it sounds like this. Ooh. Hmm. Can I get those again, like one after the other? Sure. And I don't know. Again, there may be some confusion here where they've they've kept the name the same and changed where you hear it, but this is the volume mount sound. I like that one more. Yeah, the 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 old one is like you shot your file with a laser and it's dead now. Yeah, and the new <laughs> and one the new one is sounds like sounds like it appeared. Ooh, it's moved. It's mm. like transported itself. You know. Yeah, I like that one. Well, I have some good news for Apple sound designers because like has beaten dislike, but it was nine to eight. So half of your new sounds we like. The good news is you won. The bad news is it was by one point. <laughs> hmm. Okay. 
So I think overall, like even though we're pretty close to like dislike, I would say that I think overall the sounds are good, but I think the problem is that sometimes the replacements are not good, right? Like I think that's something we can agree on that like yeah. there are actually more good sounds than there are bad sounds, maybe even nine to eight, but in some places the sound that it this, the new sound isn't a good replacement for the old sound. Right. I think that is that is more of a uh, an issue yeah. there, I guess. Yeah, that's what we're measuring is, was it an improvement? And because um, I, I agree, I think that there are a bunch of these sounds that are fine, but um, we felt like eight of them were not improvements on the old sound. Yes. Yeah, it's, and it's tricky because change, I mean, that's one of the things I'm trying to fight here is like, I took a screenshot on on Big Sur and heard that sound and I, I thought, oh no, 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 what did you do? What did you do? And I've had to think about it and like, okay, do I really like the old sound or is the old sound familiar? And the answer is it's familiar and I don't like it and I'm okay with the change. And likewise, that volume mount sound, I think the new one is better. The old one is very familiar. and But then the empty trash sound um, I don't think the new one is a better sound. So, but it, it's hard to unravel our our history with the with using the Mac from being from seeing these new sounds. But you know that didn't stop us, did it? it most definitely didn't. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. It's fair to say we all want to browse the internet without everyone in the world being able to know what we're doing. We can use incognito mode, but even in incognito mode, your online activity could still be traced. It doesn't matter where you get your internet from. Your internet service provider can see every single website you visited. That's why you need ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is the app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers, so your internet service provider can't see the sites that you visit. It's available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV, so there's no excuse for you not to be using it. I use ExpressVPN myself. It's so easy to connect. That's one of the things that I love about it. It just lives on my devices, and I can connect in one tap and I can also change where my traffic is being routed through so I can maybe look like I'm somewhere where I'm not which can be really useful in certain instances gives that peace of mind as well which I really love it's a it's a great tool to have in my toolkit protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired go to expressvpn.com upgrade and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package that's expressvpn.com slash upgrade to learn more our thanks to expressvpn for their support of this show and all of relay fm should we do some hashtag ask upgrade questions hashtag ask upgrade <laughs> oh it's the lasers huh is that what that was yeah i was trying something. very nice i liked it i don't know if we're gonna make that a permanent stay but uh, no we're not we're definitely no? not good good um, first question comes from Paul. Do you think with Apple Silicon hardware updates, do you think that we're going to see more frequent or regular updates than we've seen for the Mac in, in the past few years? I think they're not going to have to wait for for Intel, right? So that's good. Uh, my guess is that we're going to see an annual cycle for most Apple products, and maybe some of them will be 18 months or two years, just like with the iPhone. Look at the iPhone and the iPad. There's a new iPhone every year. There's a new iPad sort of... There are different iPad models throughout the year. iPad Pro is got, seems to be on an 18-month cycle. I would imagine there will be some regular cycle like that. And the ones that Apple feels the need to revise, they will revise. I, I, I think the real question is, if they come out with a new processor in the fall on the iPhone, when does it hit the other products? And is it right away? Or do they choose to roll those out? They can't release every new product at the same time, right? They have to... 
they they have to stretch it out because they can't release all their products in the fall. It will they they can't do it. But I imagine we're going to be in a scenario where the new processor year starts in the fall with the iPhone, and then for the next year you're going to see variants of that chip in all of their other devices. So, in the end, I mean. Some of these products have gotten to the point where they're sort of annual updates already, and I imagine that'll continue. And then there are some lower priority products that won't be. But um, for the ones where it matters, yeah, I think if they're already releasing a new chip for the iPhone every year, why would they not use that opportunity and that cycle to have a version of that for all of their other products too? So I, I think I think it will be more regular and it may or may not be more frequent, but it will be more regular because Apple controls it and Intel uh, Apple couldn't control. Yeah, I think that I I pretty much agree with everything you said there, right? Like I think that we will see more frequent updates, and it. But no matter what we do see, it will at least be on a schedule that Apple have decided for themselves, by and large, right? That maybe one of the biggest things was the fact that they needed to wait for Intel, or they even had features that they wanted to add, but they couldn't because of Intel as well, right? So uh, I think that we're going to see a more, maybe more consistent for Apple schedule than what we've seen over the last few years, especially. Yeah. Rajiv asks, does iOS 14 include a Find My widget like the one in iOS 12 or in, like added of iOS 12? I checked and there isn't a new Find My widget. Um, on hmm. iOS, which I thought was was peculiar. Um, I don't remember if uh, does the, does Big Sur have a Find My app? I think it does. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh well, Find My. Uh, well, um, Catalina has a Find My app. Catalina added the Find My app. Okay, because I remember mm-hmm. like on Mojave and before, um, the only way that you could use Find My Friends was through the widget in the, the notification widget. center. Yeah. Um, but I find. Th- not having a find my widget to be peculiar it may be that like a find my widget isn't that useful with the way that widgets are built like it wouldn't I, I be think able that's to update it. quickly enough i think that's exactly it is that is that the um you know they could add a find my widget that like showed people's faces yeah, and then faces, you tap yeah. tap to launch it and it will show you that and maybe they will in a in a future beta i bet you could make a a shortcut but did that maybe but um so but thank I would you for maybe looking say like a find my widget might be really nice when they have their own devices or that api for devices to uh to tie in so you could like have a little icon of a device and you tap it and it will either make a sound or or go to that app, the, the little tag right that's being searched for um but yeah but it is it is a a peculiar omission to have nothing um because now there will be no widget anymore where there was one before, and that feels strange. Yeah. Maybe it'll come back. It's Maybe. betas. Sam asked, do you think Mac developers will be getting on board with the new design for Big Sur as well as the work needed to support Apple Silicon? Yeah, and I think Sam's implication here is if they're busy doing Apple Silicon support, will they prioritize that over the design? Mm-hmm. They inherit a lot of the design. Um it's not quite the same, but like there is a default, like the, the default window of old looks different in Big Sur. It also looks wrong. Like it's centered instead of left aligned. And like, it's not, it clearly is not right <laughs> for the Big Sur design. I I do think that Apple Silicon support is going to come first. And then UI support will come after that. And it depends on how easy it is this summer for them to convert their apps to Apple Silicon. If it's easy, then that gives them more time to support other features or make it look good using the new design. Um, But I think that will always come second. 
And, you know, it's going to be your typical thing where some apps come out with new design support immediately and others kind of lag behind. And that's that's the way of things. But um, there will be, you'll be able to tell because the, the new design is different enough that it's not, again, not like the old one will look like old Windows. It'll just look like the more generic version that isn't, you know, that it's sort of center and the toolbar is below and things like that. Whereas the new ones will feel very, very new, but everybody will get on board eventually. I think, I think though, Apple Silicon's the priority there. The design's going to wait. You got to, you got to make sure your app runs and runs natively before you worry about UI conventions. Yeah, that is important. It, uh, you know, I do hope that developers will do the additional work at some point. So the apps look and oh, feel for sure. at home. I mean, that's that's always the case. You want to you want to fit the platform design, right? Yeah. So you, you always want to do that. I think maybe more so than iOS, though. I think that there will be apps that people will use frequently on on Big Sur that will take a long time, if ever. You know, just because that there are maybe more um, legacy is not the right word, but applications that are maybe just in maintenance mode on the Mac because it's an older platform. Um, I don't know, I, but I hope that we'll see a lot of uh, a lot of applications do what they need to do uh, to make that work and to feel good. Charlie asked, "Do you think that Microsoft will create original TV content like Apple and Amazon?" So my initial thought to this is that Microsoft seems to be playing a different game, and then I realized that was a good pun because, like, quite literally, Microsoft's entertainment stuff is Xbox, right? They are, yeah, they make games, and I, I think that. That is a big enough business for them that requires a lot of focus and is already on the outside of the rest of their company to a degree. Um, I don't imagine we will see Microsoft in this business for a long time, if ever, because they have a whole entertainment thing. They've tried and failed to take some of their Xbox content and turn it into um, TV shows and yeah. stuff before. They were going to do a Halo TV show and stuff, and they pulled the plug on all that stuff. Yeah. So I think they've, I think they've been there. Uh, they been there, didn't do it right. Like they've learned their mm-hmm. lesson. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's a. I don't think such an Adela thinks that's a focus for them. I think there was like a Microsoft TV product thing at one point too. Oh sure. I mean, they've tried all sorts of different things there, but in the streaming world, I, it seems pretty far out of what Microsoft would be interested in doing. A uh, good point that Matt's made in the chat room. They do own the Minecraft license. <laughs> you know, there's stuff you can do there, and I think they have done some stuff. But anyway. It's this is not a case of like what Apple's doing. No, and that's and that's over. They, I think they've regretted everything they've done and aren't going to do it going forward. I would say it's highly unlikely. Uh, Koshak asks, would you personally prefer a watered down version of Logic on the iPad or a full Catalyst version of Ferrite on the Mac? Uh, I prefer Ferrite on the Mac because Ferrite, uh, which is the app we use or I use to edit some podcasts. I think it is everything. It has every feature that I need as a podcast editor. Logic's a music app. And my my guess would be that if Logic went on the iPad instead of GarageBand, which is sort of based on Logic, but if they did Logic on the iPad, their, their primary focus will be music features. So we might be able to use it and that might be nice. But my guess is that any place where it's falling down on the iPad versus the Mac is going to be on things that podcasters use because Mm -hmm. their goal is going to be to make it a music composition and editing tool for you know for musicians to build and produce songs so we might be able to use it whereas ferrite is a podcast editing app ferrite just does exactly what i need and so a mac version of that is going to be exactly what i need 
So I, I, I would choose the product that is designed for people like me over the product that is designed for people who are not like me, but that I occasionally can use sneakily because it's better than the other alternatives. If that makes any sense, like, uh, right. Apple, Apple is aware that podcasters use logic, but it doesn't care. <laughs> I think would be the way I, I'd put it. Whereas, uh, Ferrite, yeah. that's what it's about. Yeah. I, uh, I would prefer to have the logic experience that I'm used to on my iPad, so I didn't have to relearn sure. a new tool. But I don't think sure. I agree with you. Like, uh, if Apple made logic for the iPad, they would probably well, they probably be best if they they streamlined the project, the, like the product in some way, which could remove things that I'm used to. Even though I'm a exactly. pretty surface level user, but anyway, I think that right because you're not the priority, right? So no. they could remove some things that are like not big deals to their audience that kill your use of it because like, they're not they thinking about it. They could get rid of you. markers or something. Who knows, sure. right? Um, but what what I what I think is that when, if and when, Ferrite comes to the Mac, that's probably when I will try to move to Ferrite. So yeah. then I have that experience across all of my devices. I, I, I hope I'm not stepping out of out of turn here, but I think the developer of Ferrite has said that they are that he's investigating Catalyst and the Mac and wants yeah. to do it, but I think there have been no statements beyond that. And and it hasn't happened yet, which would lead me to believe that since it hasn't happened yet, it probably won't happen until the Big Sur era, right? Because yes. if if it had been something that could have been done for the version of Catalyst that's in Catalina, we would have it now. So I suspect it's going to be, if, if we get that much hoped for Mac version of Ferrite, it'll probably be uh, this fall at the earliest and maybe later than that. But I, I, I'm with you. I feel like the value of being able to round trip between uh, iPad and Mac for podcast editing is um, is a big deal. So for me too, because I'm used to Logic and use Logic on the Mac all the time now. Um, but if I can take my projects and move them, just move them to the iPad, that's that's a reason enough for me to switch to have the same app on both. And this isn't an application that I want to experience the iOS version of on my Mac. I, for a tool like this, I would want personally to have a at least Catalyst version of it, right? So like when Apple Silicon comes over, like I, I don't think that for me, I want my audio editor to be an iOS port running. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I would need to see a lot more about exactly how that's going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like I would prefer something built for the platform that it's on if I'm going to be producing my shows in it. Yeah, there are keyboard things, but the, you know, you got um, it's got a uh, a project based approach where it's like all in their the the app bundle, and so there's going to be questions of like how do you get things in? I'm sure I'm sure it will run on Apple Silicon, right? Under iPad OS version, it'll just run. I'm not sure that's, I'm with you. I, I think that that's the beauty of Catalyst. And I, I honestly, I think that developer is so careful and considerate when it, when, when they're building features that um, they wouldn't be satisfied with just chucking out the iPad version. So I, I would hope that may also be a motivator or like, no, 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 please don't run the iPad version on your Mac, run this Catalyst version instead. Also, a lot of us are still using computers that are not going to be able to run, um, those apps because we're on Intel for a while, especially podcast editors. We got our, you know, iPad, our iMac pros and stuff. So yeah, 
yeah, yeah. But I, I, I do think that it's less likely I would get anything out of Logic on the iPad, although I would like to see it, than, Catal- than a Catalyst version of Ferrite. Uh, and lastly, this question comes from Stitch. Does Summer of Fun come with arm-waving motions? I guess almost in like a Muppet-like fashion. Uh, for me, it is just leaning back and shouting in the upwards direction so I don't destroy yeah. my microphone and your ears in the process. Yeah, I think part of the fun of the Summer of Fun shout is that it's at a distance because we're shouting up into the rafters. And I, I similarly, I'm sort of turning and shouting upward and... That's uh, what it is. So I, I, I just did it, and you just did it, and I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't wave my arms. So that might happen occasionally, but it's mostly just the, the act of turning away from the microphone and shouting. It's fun. If you would like to send in a question for a future episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use the command, uh, the question mark, and then AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members' Discord, which you get access to if you are an Upgrade Plus subscriber. Um, if you are an Upgrade Plus subscriber support and you support the show, just stay tuned after the theme song because there's going to be more Upgrade for you. If you're not, go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up um, and you get bonus segments and no ads. And thank you so much to everybody that has uh, signed up and remained a subscriber because Upgrade Plus has been around for over a month now, Jason. So, Yay, hooray. Thank you, everybody. We've done it. Yeah, so thank you, everybody, for that. We really, really appreciate your support. Uh, if you want to find show notes for this week's episode, you can go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 307, and you can find them in your app of choice. And I would also like to thank ExpressVPN, Pingdom, and Mint Mobile for their support of this week's show by sponsoring us. Uh, if you want to find Jason's work online, you can go to sixcolors.com, theincomparable.com, Jason also hosts other shows here at Relay FM, like I do. You can go to relay.fm slash shows to find more. You may find a new podcast to add to your queue. Um, also, I would recommend that you follow us online. Uh, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Jason is at Snell. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley! Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs>